Hello, therapists, non-therapists, and everyone in between. My name is Ian Hammonds, and I am proud to say I have daddy issues, and this is Therapy on Tap. I'm here having a drink with fellow Austin, Texas therapists Patrick Harris and Hayden Lindsay. This is the most authentic way we know how to talk about therapy in a relaxed, non-judgmental setting. So before we get to the topic on hand here, it's a very, very, very passionate topic um, of mine, at least. I would like to check in with everyone here, including our lovely guest, Savannah, before we actually officially introduce you. Um, Let's go ahead and check in with everyone. Where's everyone at today? Hayden, how are you doing? I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing. um, Well, we're recording this on the 2nd. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to come out, but uh, January 2nd. So, um, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. We made it. We made it to 2021. Jesus. I had a lovely uh, New Year's Eve staying at home. Uh, I I wore my nicest custom suit and sat on the couch and uh, drank whiskey. And that was how I rang rang in the year. So, doing pretty well. Yee. Your nicest birthday suit? It's a custom birthday suit. <laughs> not made for anyone else. And I've seen it. <laughs> I'm good. I feel like the break wasn't long enough. Uh, everything starts back all in the same week. I have to go back to school next week. And all my clients come back next week. And I start teaching again the week after that. So it all feels like I'm about to get hit by a truck. But I'm glad to see you all. This that's pretty cool. Anxiety intensifies. Uh, yeah. I also made the mistake of, uh, like Hayden said, I don't know when this is coming out, but we've been getting the edits of our past episodes. I made the mistake of listening to myself, and uh, I feel like everything I had to say was cringy, but you guys were knocking it out of the park. Whatever. It was, pretty, it was. Oh, stop. You were the most <laughs> academically decorated person here, Patrick. What are you talking about? Just. I just feel like it would be really helpful for our listeners if you all both talked about me for the next five minutes. So <laughs> I just backed away from my microphone. <laughs> Savannah, um, yes. How are you? Oh, we're not checking. We're not checking in with with Ian just yet. Not yet. Okay, I am doing just fine. I I, I just finished a um, you know a session with a client, and yeah, I'm having a pretty good day. A little tired, but um, I'm a little excited, a little nervous today, but. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready to have, talk about what we're going to talk about today. Thank you for that, Savannah. I'm actually, I'm doing good. I, I don't really know how I'm doing, to be honest. I mean, um, my dad is visiting this week. I don't think I've seen him probably. <laughs> Speaking of daddy issues. Not to be confused um, with your daddy. With Well, that's you. So I'm, I'm daddy. You are yes. daddy. Every time I talk to him, I call him daddy. Hope you don't mind. Um, but no, I'm actually doing, I'm doing good. My dad's actually in town visiting me and um, I am just kind of here surviving. I'm doing the dry January thing. So that's Boo. I mean, we fully support you <laughs> in your self-improvement efforts. It's day two and I already just want to implode. This is the, the cleanse where you only eat sour cream. For the Ew. month of January, God, <laughs> right? No. Sour cream and ecto cooler high C punch. I love sour cream. Can we talk no. about sour cream? I'm going to quote Devil Wears Prada, but you don't. It's a cleanse. You don't eat anything at all. And if I'm going to faint, I'm I'm just going to eat a cube of cheese. Just kidding. I am not encouraging eating disorders whatsoever. I'm just quoting a movie. 
Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm also doing a juice cleanse. And so that'll be very interesting to see how this next week with clients goes. So <laughs> yeah, so that's where I'm at today. Just kind of vibing. I, I did a, a juice cleanse. I got roped into it in a, in a, uh, by a, by a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, where's yeah. this going in this particular episode? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we may have to address that. <laughs> <laughs> Was that problematic? <laughs> I, I just, I, um, yeah, I, I drank juice for three days and I just like sat on the couch wanting to die. Like I felt like I was dying. So. I did, when I was in high school, when I was probably like at my most Catholic, I would do, uh, well, like Lent obviously is like 40 days of sacrifice and discipline. And I would, I would, um, only eat after sundown. So I wouldn't eat anything during the day. And that was just kind of like an extension of, of the discipline that I wanted to practice during that time. And the first few days like really sucked, but it was, I was surprised like how quickly your body like adapts to that kind of stuff. Like you're super hungry. And then there's just like a day where it's like, Oh, my hunger doesn't control me. Yeah, dude, we were, I mean, honestly, we were made to go without food for an elongated period of time. People just don't really realize it. Um, and yeah. then Uber Eats came along and was like, fuck oh you, Oh my God, food. I know. <laughs> Fucking DoorDash. Just kidding. That might actually be a potential sponsor. <laughs> we love you, DoorDash. Um, I'm drinking corn, corn water, brown corn water, aka whiskey. Out of a very masculine yeah, flask. Very, yeah. Um, Has flowers. Well, what it. are y'all drinking? You know, this is always my, my question is I'm interested in what, what people are drinking. I was waiting for this question. So yes. okay. to celebrate the third season of Cobra Kai on Netflix, uh, which if you just want a nostalgia gasm, I highly recommend watching Cobra Kai. It is my current guilty pleasure. Fucking amazing. Anyways, Infinous Brewing uh, here in Austin came out with a Sweep the Leg beer. It's a peanut butter stout, and it's okay. But I'm more excited about the name, so... You got to talk them up. The sponsorship. Yeah, Infamous Brewing is just badass. You know, they're out there with, a, <laughs> I don't know, they're somewhere in like Lago Vista. But this one's pretty good. I've never had a peanut butter style, but it's interesting flavor. Well, I've got this peanut butter whiskey, which you gave me. It, it's very interesting. I've never had flavors like this put together before. That actually sounds really good. Like, I don't, I'm not a whiskey person. You want to try it? I kind of do. You just throw it in some hot chocolate. Boom. Okay. Fuck yeah. all of you for being able to drink. So sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. It's just, I signed up for this. So I signed up to be on therapy on tap during dry motherfucking January. So as Patrick pours his. Yeah, here, here we go. It even is. Okay. okay. If fiance actually has a code word that I gave him. We all, we all need safe words. Um, my, my fiance has a code word uh, that I gave him. If Ian, I, where's the story going? <laughs> if I am too um, grouchy on my juice cleanse, he has a word that he uses to let me know, hey, bruh, you're being too grouchy. So Wait, what's the word? Is it bruh? <laughs> he literally just starts singing, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Don't ask how that was invented in this situation. So many questions, but <laughs> all right, feminism. <laughs> okay, um, I was working with a couple one time, and we we had to do that because it was a heterosexual couple, and the husband like every time the wife wanted to to vent, he was just go straight to problem solving, and that would just like 
kind of trigger her. But then there were often times where she did actually want like some feedback. So they had to come up with like a um, like a code word to to say like, all right, I want a vent versus like I want a problem oh, solve. I love that. And if he if he went to problem solving too quick, then uh, her response would be, "Listen, Linda, listen, Linda," from that little kid video. And they came up with this on their own, and it was just like the best thing. It That's added amazing. levity to like an intense situation in the moment. And they fucking loved it. It was it was a lot easier moving forward after that. I would say, do you want a consultation or a consolation? Hmm. That's a good one. I like that. And it, and it rhymes. I find myself, I, I have to ask my partner too, because I, I admittedly jump into the like, fix-it mode sometimes. And sometimes when she's coming in hot, it's like, do you want me to listen or do you want me to help? Like, what are we, what are we doing? Just so I know I'm on the same page. She's right behind you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Holding a knife. It's... <laughs> There is that, uh, just speaking of that, the four steps to the um, safe conversation where it ends with the um, joining versus fixing, where it's like, do you need me me to just listen to you or do you need me to fix the problem? Put the knife down is step (laughs) one. (laughs) This is really good. This um, peanut butter. Screwball peanut butter whiskey. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, We're also here for them if they're looking for sponsorship. Sponsorship. Are we going to ever start a Patreon, by the way? Yes, I love that. We need to do that soon. For my loan interest. I was going to say, as a reminder, the Patreon is not for our pockets. It is for our alarming amount of student debt that we've all accrued (laughs) as therapists. Combined, I think we hit half a million, right? Is that where we're at? Between the four (laughs) of us? I don't even want to think about that. Oh, no. I think it's probably closer to three quarter. Anyway. Still... No, I want to do. I think I said this last time too. I want to do an episode on student loans because the more I research like how broken the system is, the more I'm like, why the fuck did I ever do this? And they give you these little like videos of like, are you sure you want to do this as a student loan? But it's made by the student loan people, so of course they only show you like the less scary Bits side of the pieces. scary. But it's like taking cars, buying advice from a car salesman. Like it's, exactly, it's such a broken, fucking horrible system. Mm-hmm. Or advice from a therapist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Take a drink every time you think about your soul-crushing debt. <laughs> well, Savannah, it's just so I'm so happy to have you here. <laughs> and you were uh, th- this whole thing. I don't think this would have happened without you. So yes, oh, yeah. we need to. Okay, listen. Pay homage to that. Oh my um, gosh. So it was um, it was kind of a weird thing because like when Ian, I first I think you first were like, mm-hmm. hey, I want to start a podcast, and then. Patrick, I, I think how it happened was like, Patrick, you were like, oh, I have, I have equipment. I know this kind of equipment. And I was like, oh, I think it'd be cool if the three of y'all adding Hayden into the mix, because I have seen y'all's dynamic before. And I thought that would be. I feel like an asshole for even forgetting about that. But yes. Oh, my gosh. You are. You're the inception of this whole concept. So, so t- thank you. Yes. <laughs> Her, the chemistry she's describing is when uh, at one point all of our paths crossed and we were all employed by the same practice at the same mm-hmm. time. And during uh, staff a lot meetings, of sexual tension. It, yeah, we would just break out into tickle fights. And it was just like the chemistry was just there from the beginning. <laughs> right. And then like we just had to take these timeouts and it was like, oh, Patrick, Ian and Hayden are at it again. And wrestling an oatmeal <laughs> naked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What is in my mind today? Okay. When I was, okay, so back to, I was listening to these over the holidays, the edits, and my mom was in the, the truck listening, and she's like, what, did, did y'all really do that? Like, <laughs> something bizarre. Thanks, so, mom. Yes, Thanks mom. for the Was support. Hayden really wearing a Speedo? <laughs> is that still happening, by the way? The Speedo? Mm-hmm. 
Maybe when it's not like 30 whatever degrees outside. You want you want me to wear it here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like, does he still own one? Or No, I mean, that was on the table at one time, wasn't it? Well, was he put his junk on the table. <laughs> I was fully convinced you were going to wear that suit <laughs> today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's the dress code, right? I, I, I mean... <laughs> My birthday suit. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Without further ado, let's get into the meat and potatoes or the tofu and potatoes in my case of this episode. So today, now that we've all checked in with each other, we are talking about something very near and dear to my heart, feminism and how it relates to therapy. Let us introduce one of my favorite people in the entire world, Savannah Stanley, LPC associate with Austin Strong Relationship Building Center, all of, well, my former employer as well as Hayden's and Patrick's current employer. What, so, what? Yes. How you doing today, Savannah? I'm doing, I'm doing just fine. I'm Good. happy to be here. Me too. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, just like we said before, like you are the reason why Patrick, Hayden, and I all kind of got together and started this. So just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for tagging that one magical day when you put that just thought into our heads and just kind of took off. So thank you. Of course, the irony, you come to to talk about feminism and women empowerment, and you're the whole freaking reason why three dudes got together and made a <laughs> podcast. So yeah, thank you. Seriously. So. Just more men stealing from women. Am I no. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. We stole your idea, Savannah. Yeah. We Facebooked like, you. Yeah, I was like this, This. Uh, what is it? The, uh, I don't know, the patriarchy something. Something, something patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. Something, yeah. something. Fuck this, men, am I right? I would, yeah, fuck right? men. I, I, would, men. I would put that on a t-shirt. I would wear that. You wouldn't just says fuck men? Something, something patriarchy. <laughs> I mean, maybe like on the back. Just says, put it on the back of your Speedo. <laughs> Well, the, the the speedo since it keeps coming up, the speedo became somewhat of a, a feminist issue because uh, my my lovely partner, I, I'm sure she will, she supports me in every way, so I'm sure she'll be listening to this. But she she said, and I quote, "You might as well be wearing a Confederate flag on your ass." <laughs> I don't know that this needs to make it into the final edit, but uh, something about the the, 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 the denim the denim print. So it's a denim print speedo. It's like jorts taken to the extreme. Why not? And I, I guess that just, for her, conjured up some some imagery of, uh, you know, uh, pickup truck driving. We're actually pickup shopping right now. Uh, so I don't know why that's so bad. But, you know, just uh, uh, rebel flag waving, whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't think the mics are going to pick it up, but my dog is just like wailing. <laughs> okay, that's your dog. I thought that was... <laughs> I thought that was a person. <laughs> that's Nicole. She, I told her she could not be on the podcast, and she just... <laughs> that reminds me of that one scene in Forrest Gump where he's being chased by the, the rednecks in the truck, and they're all wearing Speedos, and they're like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. That yeah maybe that's where, where, the, where, where it comes from. So uh, I, I maintain that I'm just, you know, a, a little... little uh, uh, unevolved in in some ways that's why we love you thank you well savannah yes i have the pleasure of knowing you but to the listeners who are not yet enlightened up in this bitch tell us about you tell us about yourself and tell us how you found therapy um okay so about me other than the fact that i am a lpc associate okay 
Uh, oof, that's a hard one. Like, what, what do I say about myself? Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no, it's okay. It's, it's like an interview question, right? It's like, <laughs> I specifically remember like being asked these questions like, oh, tell me about yourself. Oh, I went to school here. And Does it feel like a grad school interview? Yeah, it, it's exactly how it feels like. Okay, like I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, you know, I'm quirky. I'm weird. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just me. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to describe myself. How does what, one what are your top three favorite smells? Top three favorite smells. I love Ooh, this. That's what? a great question. Yeah, right? I'm like, okay, lavender. I love uh, mm. smell of pineapple. I love... Uh, does pineapple mm. smell? Maybe yeah. it does. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then um, uh, uh, petrichor. What's petrichor? It's petrichor. The, 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 the smell of rain. Oh, wow. Yes. There's a word for that. Yeah. I Isn't that the I'm ions like, in the air that cause that smell rather than the rain itself? Uh, yeah. 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 Yep. Peanut butter <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> fucking phd student <laughs> yeah, i was like throwing that throwing that phd i'm like i have a biology degree and i don't even know oh yeah i forgot about that because you work you, do you still do pharmacy stuff no i i quit uh oh i'm almost a uh, year okay. yeah so i've been doing doing therapy now if we're gonna uh, if, I, I can't remember if you asked the yes the, okay how you found therapy um so uh you know finished with i was a pharmacy tech for a little bit um been in therapy basically my entire life for one reason or another. Um, I, I finished with my biology degree, wanted to be a pharmacist desperately. And um, I decided that I, um, <laughs> it's a very high stress job. And um, no. right. I was like, uh, no, thanks. And uh, I failed organic chemistry twice. Um, so I was like, that, uh, that's not what I'm about. And then, so I um, was, um, was uh, trying to think of where I wanted to go. Sorry, <laughs> where I wanted to go after um, after I graduated with my biology degree, and um, I was introduced to the Seminary of the Southwest, which is where I graduated from. Um, my brother-in-law got his um, Master of Divinity there, and they were talking about there's a counseling program there, and I was just like, well, I like to listen to people. I'm good at helping people. I want to help because right. That's why why we kind of get into it is initially mm-hmm. we're like. You we're know, good at it. We're good at it. We want to help people. That way. We're we're empathetic. We listen all these things. So I don't give a shit about people. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they pay you the big bucks, Aiden. <laughs> and, and sometimes I think about like how introverted I am and I'm like people are like I don't know yes. how you do this all day and I'm like I don't either. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder it is. It's it's I mean, you'd think that it's a very introverted job because it's just, you know, it's you and enclosed in a room with with someone or a couple or a family. But it's very, you need a lot of extroverted energy and to, you know, just to kind of pour into your day. If you're seeing you're in a room and you have to be on for seven, eight, in your case, eight and nine hours a day. Um, Tens the record, but geez, I don't know how you do that. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You need, you need to be on and cross your fingers and hope for a cancellation. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you're working with couples, uh, you know, the, 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 just to jump in, you know, the, uh, the, the idea that we just listen. If you have a couple that is in their distress cycle and you just yep. listen, uh, you will get nowhere with them. And I, and I think you know they're wasting their money if you're just sitting there listening. If you so you have to be on and mm-hmm. and interrupt it. And uh, Savannah, I know you work with uh, couples. Can you tell us a little bit about that work? Prepare and rich. Oh yeah. Uh, so prepare and rich. Um, yeah, premarital program. It's very. Um, I don't know. I, I, very, I very, it's something I'm certified in, and I very much in, enjoy it. Um, just setting up uh, couples that are trying to get married for um, for success and giving them like the skills and those kinds of things. 
Um, I don't know. Not to get to that point where they're... <laughs> not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not to get to that point. Exactly. And, and that's kind of what I think of it as, is that like sometimes when I will see high, con- high, uh, high conflict couples is, mm-hmm. I imagine I'm like, what if they had gone to this um, like premarital... Um, program before to just get some of those like basic uh, I say I say basic but then I come in I'm like oh yeah um, uh, active listening and um, those kinds of things that it's, it's, it's anti-inflammatory I yeah bet. exactly so mm-hmm. it's like preventative kind of stuff yes very good <laughs> best medicine is a preventative so we brought you on to discuss the lovely topic of feminism Savannah so what does feminism mean to you and how do you define it I guess it's, it's there's many different definitions for it, but I think at its base level, it is the um, belief and in, in the desire for um, equality among between the sexes. But I, but I have an issue, not like an issue with that definition necessarily. But I don't know. I'll explain it later, or can I explain it now? Can I? Can I kind of? It's your yeah. show. Go. Okay, you can cool. do whatever okay. you want. Um, Go for when, it. Whenever I hear. Um, because uh, I was like, okay, how do how do I define um, feminism? It's okay. So equal- equality, like egalitarianism, is is kind of my thing, and feminism is kind of my mm-hmm. thing. Um, between the sexes is the um, I feel like that's the implicit belief in the binary. Is mm-hmm. that like what are y'all's thoughts on that? Is if it's between like males and females, then like are you saying that the feminism by definition only identifies if I binary if I'm genders? using if I'm using that definition. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I wonder about that. I don't know if I'm thinking, I'm, I might be reading too much into <laughs> it, right? Well, so I know part of um, feminist therapy, part of it um, is one of the principles of it is that it does have to evolve with society. Like you have to change it as society um, grows, as society changes, you have to. So is that kind of on the same, are you, is that a little bit of, a, of the, um, what's the word, malleability Exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking of is that feminism, the definition of feminism is constant, could could be constantly changing depending on, you know, if we think of all the waves of feminism, which we can talk about later, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of how that definition has changed over time as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, So really just feminism kind of is a bit more subjective is kind of what I hear through it. There's I mean, to maintain objectivity, I mean, there is a certain aspect of objectivity in feminism, of course. Um, I think the, the biggest point of that uh, is egalitarianism. But overall, it, it's subject to change. It's subject, I think, to kind of change over time and to be kind of adapted to the individual, maybe, who's practicing feminist therapy, feminist just the culture of, of feminism, both as a movement and a theoretical perspective, has come in waves. So there's been three waves that have spanned since, what, the 60s? Uh, since Even the, before the... Uh, 18, 1848. Was Sorry, the first 1848 wave. was the first wave, Seneca Falls Convention. Yeah. The, oh. yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, the, the, the suffrage movement. Um, and and I, I have to tell a little bit of a story of the reason why I know this. Um, so a um, my uh, I <laughs> I was having a chat with my... Uh, therapist shout out to Carol Lennox um, about uh, what I know Carol yeah um, so she um, awkward no I'm just kidding awkward moment How <laughs> let's do you know? call her right now yeah let's go she, she, <laughs> she, she wants to be on I told her about this um, she was saying phones. she thought she was part of the um, first wave of feminism I'm like Carol I don't think you were born in the 1800s right and so so she was t- we, and that's what we were talking about the different waves of feminism she was um, 
just talking about that. I forgot why I started that, but I would, I just thought it was funny that like she thought that she was in the <laughs> she was in the first wave. That was that was, but when it started was kind of that suffrage movement that um, passing of the nineteenth amendment, twentieth amendment. It was nineteen nineteen. <laughs> but I like my husband's a history teacher. I don't know because <laughs> that like implies you know growth and evolution versus these just kind of like static beliefs that people tend to hold, and then if you dare try to like change it or alter alter it or heaven forbid like bring it up to like modern times people just lose their fucking minds Mm -hmm. but at least like with waves there's the intentional space for let's adapt to what's going on in the world because when it first came about yeah i could imagine that there was not a lot of acknowledgement beyond like the binary genders and now with the evolution there's been more broad and vague definitions to be more inclusive I'm starting to think of uh, one of my biggest influences in this area has been Carol Gilligan. Uh, she wrote in a different voice uh, in the in the early 80s, but she talks about uh, equality feminism and difference feminism. So equality being that uh, women's rights are human rights. But as we start inviting uh, or or welcoming women into, she uses this this metaphor of the house. It's like you are allowed in the in the rooms of the house uh that's sort of the equality but it's like this the house is still mine it's like as long as the 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 patriarchy is in place you can come into the house but we built the house and so difference feminism this uh when we start talking about this evolution is like let's redesign the house together and i think that's a really powerful uh um metaphor and to quote the great um, Gloria Steinem, if you're not a feminist, you're only seeing the world with one eye open. Mm. So. A round of applause for Ian quoting somebody other than Bethany, Bethany Frankel. Frankel. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot, I think that was my third Bethany Frankel reference <laughs> this week. So I think I am tapped out, no pun intended. So that's kind of feminism in uh, the lens of more of like a social justice movement and an egalitarian movement. But how do you, or if you do, do you separate the idea of feminism from a feministic theoretical lens, like as a therapist, or do you feel like they're both one and the same? Like it, like the idea of feminism as a social movement guides your approach as a therapist, or do you feel like this is a specific tool in your tool belt that you use as a therapist? Feminism is definitely like as part of um, the feminist theoretical lens, you are using um, aspects of feminism. Like you, you're encouraging, you're empowering your, your client, you're encouraging them to go out and um, kind of do, do like a macro is not the right word. Uh, kind of like do a, um, like go out and make, make change in the world. Right. Um, but I guess, I guess the, the, the concept of feminism uh, and separating that, I don't know. I kind of want to just like, mm. I don't know, Patrick. Do you have Do you have an answer to, to that? Well, if I if uh, I, I can, I want to clap right now. If I can add, I was just I, what came up for me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Savannah. So using feminism in therapy, I feel like is different than feminist therapy particularly right because like you can study feminist therapy um and apply it to your practice um i i I identify as a as a feminist and i'm also a therapist but i'm not a feminist i'm not a therapist who practices feminist therapy that makes any sense um and i i also think too i mean just to kind of to snowball on top of that um we are activists 
Like we're feminist activists as therapists. Like even just the idea of providing safe space for women who are have never had a voice, have never had a space to be heard. We're giving them a voice. And I was wondering if that if that's kind of along the same lines as what you were gonna say. You articulated it much better than I would. And I almost want to say, hey, Ian, can you answer my questions for the rest of it? But this is a feminism podcast. So, yeah, uh, way to mansplain, Ian. Right? God. I was going to say mansplaining. <laughs> no, but it was perfect, Ian. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to, arti- arti- exactly what I was trying to articulate. Yeah. I don't mean to mansplain. <laughs> no. This is a slight digression, but I'm curious, Ian. So this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Yes. But one of the stereotypes of being a gay male is that like gays often get lumped into... Uh, being more just feminine in general or female like like do you ever feel that like you're just lumped into feminism in more of a stereotypical way it's mm, i see where you're going there um, i remember in grad school there was uh, a gay identifying cisgender male and we were on the topic of feminism or i think just, it might have just been an open-ended like question about the queer community in general or i think it was specific to lesbians and uh, a student turned around and like asked him and he was like, why are you asking me? Like, why mm-hmm. would I have any more of an idea than you? <sighs> I need a drink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't really speak for that. Honestly, I know I can just say that. Um, hmm. How do I, how do I answer this? I can't really speak for my community per se and how I think the gay or the queer community um is in relationship to feminism, but I can say that just in my own reality, my own realm, um, I grew up around strong, outspoken women. I, you know, I watched some pretty problematic relationships where toxic masculinity was involved and just in my immediate family. And I just, I wanted to kind of fight against that. I wonder if there might be some, I don't know if this is too much, but like some uh, some feelings of gate gatekeeping, which I guess I, we might talk about in a in a minute. Like men can't be feminists, right? They're like mm-hmm. you have to that. be you have to be female. You have to be, um, and even in some cases, um, what, I mean, we can talk about turfs today <laughs> if we have a moment. Um, are y'all familiar? Yes, turfs. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay. Ian's familiar over there. I am not uh, tra- uh, trans exclusionary radical feminist. So it's like. Um, Right. Oh, I thought you were yeah. saying like this is my turf to talk about. That's oh. your turf. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. So. So. But. But. Um. That's interesting. <laughs> I think just like gatekeeping is just a problem in like therapy in general. I, I don't like so many fucking self. Oh, so many like self indulgent like therapists these days like feel that they are the experts of this particular topic or this particular approach or this way to like deal with conflict, and then they push that shit on other therapists, and it's just like it's created this weird, gross environment at least like in the online therapist community it's shamey yeah i fucking hate it it drives me up a wall but also like i still need that community for like resources and like it has its perks but it's just so toxic to be a part of to hear how therapists talk to other therapists fucking blows my mind our next topic i want to introduce is a very important one the patriarchy so as i say this we have three cisgender (laughs) cisgender males in one room with a female so the patriarchy is probably a little bit uh off balance right now but what does everyone think about the patriarchy what what is the patriarchy let's just falling into this trap again because last time i defined oligarchy and apparently i was wrong so you can be wrong patrick (laughs) it's okay that joke tanked (laughs) hayden what do you think of the patriarchy? What do I think of the patriarchy? <laughs> yes. I love it. It's benefited me tr- tremendously. 
What do you What do you want me to say here? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen Ian blush. This is a person Sorry. without shame, and this is just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Because he's currently Ian is wearing a shirt that says "Go Patriarchy," no, and I I'm felt not. like it was completely inappropriate. Y'all given are our demonizing episode. me here. Well, I, I talk, uh, uh, you, you know, when I do therapy, uh, I do a lot of men's work and uh, yes. understanding the patriarchy is is pretty key in, in that sort of work. So I usually sort of define or, or d- distinguish between what I would call political patriarchy, which uh, the the first, second, third wave feminists, this is what uh, uh, th- they're working to dismantle sort of the uh, structural uh, inequality. And, th- and then what I end up talking about a lot in therapy is psychological patriarchy, which is sort of this phenomenon where we, uh, we, we take all of our human qualities and then we kind of draw this, uh, we do it Olga Silverstein, love her. She calls this having, H-A-L-V-I-N-G, as in, as in to cut in half. And we, uh, we distinguish some of those qualities as masculine and some of those as feminine. And then we elevate the masculine over the feminine. And then we don't talk about it. That, that's sort of the, the three rings there of the, the psychological patriarchy are the, uh, the separation, the elevation. And then we don't talk about what the masculine does to the feminine. So we see this at every level of uh, society. And uh, this is also, to me, sort of how I define uh, the the interpsychic, I should say intra-psychic um, dynamic of depression. It is my torturing my own vulnerabilities because I have internalized uh, this idea that masculine is better than feminine. So uh, that, that's sort of how I define the patriarchy. Um, that is from uh, Terry Reel's wonderful work on uh, men and male depression. But so to take that a little bit further, masculine is more desirable than feminine, but I feel like that's specific only to men because then the opposite is true because women kind of get criticized when they display anything that could be considered or categorized as masculine. And I think I mentioned this in an earlier episode, but I mean, take like Margaret Thatcher, who was one of the, what she was the first like prime minister and she was described as the Iron Lady. And, like, that's not a very warm title. No. It's like, oh, she's right. so different. She's like a man. So she, that, that means she's cold. She's a she's an Iron Lady rather than, like, oh, here's a cool leader. Nope. It's a masculine woman leader. Let's not forget Joan of Arc. She was literally killed for being too not ladylike. For fighting battles yeah. alongside men. She was literally burned at the stake. And I think historically uh, in this field of of helping professionals, we have viewed health really as uh, women are feminine and men are masculine. And and so this concept that we uh, we now talk about as androgyny sort of came out of that where where we can have uh, both of those qualities. And and I believe that the, the person who coined that was a woman and she later came back and really, um, it denounced that idea of psychological androgyny and really wanting to steer the conversation more into embracing humanity, embracing, embracing wholeness. I kind of, in doing research for this episode, it brought me to uh, Karen Horney's work 
who uh, famously just kind of like disagreed with the foundation that Freud had laid out. And uh, one of the biggest things that she drew attention to was Freud believed that males and females were born inherently different in personality just based on their gender. Um, and rather than citing biological differences, she argued for societal and cultural explanation. So it's cultures that mold what we consider masculine and feminine. It's cultural specific to what we consider little boys grow up to versus little girls. And again, back in these times, they really only acknowledge like the binary genders. Um, but that was, that was interesting because my first response to that was, well, there's biological differences. There's higher levels of testosterone in cisgendered males, and there's higher levels of estrogen in cisgender females. But again, when you really kind of pick it apart, what we still consider masculine and feminine are cultural expectations in themselves. There's nothing really... Mm-hmm. Going back to like Hayden's description of the man box from our men's episode, it's that's that's a cultural that's a societal construct. That's a cultural construct of building that man box and what goes into it, and building the woman box and what goes into that. I just have one thing to say about the patriarchy: if we're teaching women to defend themselves against men, why aren't we teaching men not to sexually assault them? And that's all I'm going to say about that. And I feel like that might be a lead in into an <laughs> the next, like a good segue into the next, um, right? Which is rape culture. Let's let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, I don't like it. I don't think anyone here does. I think everyone here is, I think just by being therapists are actively dismantling rape culture. But what is rape culture? Let's talk about that. It's so hard. I don't know that diminishes other people's experiences, but it's weird being a therapist who's pop culture obsessed because I just fucking love movies and TV shows and just random stuff. And like going back and rewatching movies from my childhood yep. with a, a fresh perspective I and mean like, oh, that's super fucking problematic behavior. Like I love the Rocky franchise and I feel like it's really evolved with the times. But if you go back and watch Rocky one and how he like aggressively pursues Adrian and like ignores her nose and like physically corners her in his place, like it's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, why is this in the movie? This is the most fucking cringy moment in cinematic history and we just accepted that as like oh he he doesn't take no for an answer like he has that that fighter winning spirit like no fucking <laughs> that's not okay <laughs> like the notebook is very very similar yeah that's another good yeah idea. i was thinking too of uh the coal miner's daughter if anyone's ever seen that the biography about loretta lynn sissy spacek and tommy tommy lee jones um, the scene where they first have sex, it's, it's very, very disturbing. Like, I know it's her story and it was her published autobiography, but I remember going, whoa, that's, he basically forces her to have sex with, what forces her to have sex with him the first day that they're married. And she's obviously said, yeah, it's a very disturbing scene. And that was apparently okay. <laughs> I've not seen that, but, um, I think there's something to be said about, you know, thinking of these movies and these, um, like rom-coms and things like that how normalized it is for stalking behavior and um just all of these things that like lead up to that and it's like okay this it teaches you know oh this is how we're supposed to react and this is what we're supposed to do i've been y'all i've been watching a lot of law and order svu Mm. that show's been on for 22 seasons i think so (laughs) much so fucking problematic yep like like you wouldn't believe. It's, it's, I mean, tangent. There's some stuff in there where it's like, oh, well, her, her hymen is intact, so clearly she wasn't raped. And it's like, anatomy is Did a thing. Did not age well. Did not age well. No, didn't. 
Quick side note, did y'all watch the Law & Order SVU episode that Robin Williams was on and they recreated the Milgram the experiment? Milgram, yes, I did, <laughs> I did see that. That was, oof. Yeah. I never felt more like a psychology nerd than I was like, oh my God, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they named him Milgram. Cool. <laughs> so I saw a meme the other day too that I feel like is, is pretty appropriate for the topic that it was like, um, I forgot the context of it. It was like, I was talking to my little cousin and he said, I asked a girl out and she said no. And he was like, do you know what you do next? And he was like, keep trying. And she's like, no. She said no. Leave her alone. Like, that, that's it. Because I feel like little boys are mm-hmm. taught to, like, continue to pursue and mm-hmm. don't take no for an answer. And it seems, like, innocent when it's with kids. But if if they just internalize that belief in growing up, like, that becomes problematic. And if you just start not respecting other people's boundaries or thinking somebody establishing a boundary is taking away from you, so you have to overcorrect and take something away from them... That's how we just kind of repeat this like cycle of violence and the cycle of rape culture that we have. And I think the people that are just like the the loudest naysayers are the ones that are, I don't know, uncomfortable with having these conversations and uncomfortable with change and don't want to just take accountability for their contributions to the current climate. Like, it's not wrong that you're a product of your generation, but now that you have new information, you should probably evolve with that new information. I concur. (laughs) Yeah. Can I'm, we talk about body pleasure and the origins of violence? It's like one of my favorite studies to talk about. Sure. What is this? Yeah, I love to hear about it. Like, yeah, I'm, part of, I'm uh, intrigued. Part of why I'm so fun at parties. It's like, you know, just, <laughs> <laughs> I love both body pleasures and violence. So. The re- relatively old study from the, the 70s, but it, it established a, uh, basically looked at a lot of anthropological data from different cultures uh, around the world and found that uh, we can predict how violent a culture is uh, based on a couple things, and that is how, um, how depriving they are of, of touch uh, in infanthood and how repressive they are of female sexuality in adolescence. So this seems very topical today. Uh, the idea being that uh, if we emphasize uh, body pleasure, those circuits in the brain sort of inhibit the the violent, uh, the violent acting out circuits. Uh, of course, we're talking about r- rape culture here, which is the the sort of the the distorted marriage of those two things of, of, of sex and violence. Um, but I, I just thought it was interesting that, uh, cultures that are, are supportive and, um, uh, less repressive of sexual affection and, and in particular, uh, female sexuality. Uh, we actually see that across the board, uh, like with something like 97% accuracy, we can predict, uh, how how violent they are. Very interesting to me. It is. Wow. It's by a guy named James Prescott, if you want to mm-hmm. read more about that. He's a uh, neuropsychologist. For whatever reason, that makes me think of the, just the concept boys will be boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, it, it's okay for men to do certain things because boys will be boys. Right. And you know, you, you hear about these mothers um, who want their daughters to grow up and be women and be, you know, be a, be a lady, be poised, be a, be a young woman. What's, do you have a, I see you nodding. What's your, what's your take on that Savannah? 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's definitely that's definitely per, per, pervasive. It's like uh, almost like a well, dep- also depending very culturally dependent. Yes. Um, uh, how how you have to show up in the world um, as a, as mm-hmm. a woman, or and I, and honestly, I don't know if this is just my experience or if this is the experience of a woman. You, you you have to not take up a lot of space. You have to be be smaller than you have to just mm-hmm. kind of like you know. There's the expectation that you, yeah. women have to shrink themselves and be smaller and to make room for the men. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. So, but also yeah. just to to be clear, like rape culture isn't specifically penetrative, like aggressive rape. Like it's just a culture that tolerates any symptom of that problem. Right. Yeah. That makes excuses like, for it. Like, uh, what was the famous case where the judge like just straight up asked, like, "What were you wearing?" And I feel like there was more than one, but there was one that like made national news. Oh, it was because she was wearing like tight jeans or something like that. And it's like, well, you couldn't have been raped if you were wearing tight jeans or some mm. bullshit like that. Or it's like, or if you close your, just close your legs, right? It's like any, anything like that, that is just like, but that is so problematic. By the way, mm. does Austin have a slut walk? What's a slut walk? <gasps> slut walk. I want to say they do. Yeah, I would... Okay. Look well, it up. I mean, Maybe course. you. You. Te- I don't know if they're still doing it with these Corona times, but. Well, yeah, they should. Sorry. Anyway, off topic. I know some people in New Orleans that do the slut walk every year, and it's, of course, they haven't been able to in 2020. But um, yeah, it's. A I'm unfamiliar with that slut walk. It's it's to, basically it's a movement calling to end rape culture and basically mm. um, um, they to end slut shaming of the assaulted victims or victims of assault. Um, and yeah, it's basically women who walk on the street and they, from what I know, I don't, I just, the one that I, I attended was, uh, was a bunch of very skintily clad women. And it was like, just because I'm dressed this way, I'm not asking, like, I'm not asking to get raped or get sexually assaulted. So that, that reminds me of, um, it, I can't remember if it was third or fourth wave feminism. Um, that was a point where, um, uh, words started being taken back like slut. Women started using the word slut and just being like, yeah, it's a slut walk, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like, this is a walk where we're just... Saying. No, we're sluts. Yes. And this is this, and we're, we're taking back that word. I mean, I don't want to take it too far away, but like the word queer used to be, yep. you know, a word that was very derogatory and it's taking it back. I'm right? here, I'm yeah. queer. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> Get used to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But it all it all comes down. So we we went from patriarchy to rape culture, but the two are connected. When you look at yes the uh, like the social psychology of it, like the social dominance theory. This is something that I was talking to my students about earlier this semester, which is you know whoever's on top wants to stay on top, and people who are kind of like near the top want to align themselves with the top, so they themselves don't become victimized. Right. So there's probably people on the fringe, or there's even people recognizing like this is an okay behavior. But I don't want to be a gender traitor or a traitor to my gender. Or I don't want to be perceived as like a problem maker. And then I'm just going to kind of blend in and, and just not say anything. But one well, of that's the, the, that's the third ring that I was talking about earlier is like we don't talk about it. So like yeah. these the 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 having the elevation or, or the dominion domination, and then we don't talk about it because uh, if I talk about it, I might get you know harmed as well. Even if I'm not a, uh, a necessarily a marginalized person, like I, I could be harmed for speaking out about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like one of the the main themes this year, especially with all the Black Lives Matter movement and other, the other social justice waves, is like 
even silence is a choice. Like even not participating and not standing up for what you believe in is a choice. And it's, you're pretty much complicit with the, the social dominance theory. Like you're pretty, by not speaking out against it, you are indirectly supporting it. And there's a lot of people that that, that real, that truth rubs them the wrong way, but that's the reality. The truth fucking hurts. Yeah. It's it's uncomfortable. (laughs) We don't like to think about it. Right. But it's like exactly what's supposed to happen. Y'all ain't got to preach to this choir. (laughs) Come on now. Well, okay. Um, speaking in broad terms, I mean, do we do we see society overturning the patriarchy anytime soon? I mean, it's obvious to say that, you know, at least the country right now is um, it's powered by a bunch of uh, very <laughs> patriarchal figures, and I won't go into whom. Um, but do we see in our lifetimes completely overthrowing the patriarchy, and what would that look like? Yes. No. Um, <laughs> right. So, so, um, right. I, I would, um, my thought process with that is, um, when I, when I see, um, patriarchy, I'm also thinking like, well, what does that mean then? Like, what would that, what would that look like when the patriarchy is, is overthrown? Right. Is that, is that that egalitarian or is that the shift towards matriarchy? Right. Um, Patrick, I actually wanted to ask you something that I was thinking about when I was looking at this. Um, oh, is, God. is, Oh, oh no, God, no, it's not, on, it's not, it's not on the spot. It's, it's, she uh, has my old MySpace page open. What's yeah, going? okay, got MySpace page. Uh, That's the yeah, most why, why do you have all patriarchal this? male yeah, here. Oh, gosh, why? Um, uh, so thinking in terms of um, uh, Mexican culture, right? Isn't that a kind of like a oh, yeah. more of a matriarchy than a but that's patriarchy? A, but then there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of... Well, there's Other like dynamics. the machismo. Like machismo, you, you, yeah, you can't it. cry. Like you got to be this like yeah. tough guy and yeah. men are the head of household yeah. and whatever they say goes. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting with, with uh, my first and second generation like uh, Mexican clients is that, that there's this like this cultural shift that's happening right now. And whether it's becoming more Americanized or just like the culture in general is making this big shift that they're now distancing themselves from that old mentality and it's causing conflict with their generation and their parents' generation. And that's been interesting to see. My personal experience is a little bit distorted because my father, my biological father passed away when I was five. So the idea that men, that this, like the, the culture of patriot of the patriarchy didn't really catch up to me until like high school because most of, I was raised by all women. So after my dad passed, it was my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother. And none, none of them were married for a, a good amount of that time. And my mom was just like the sassy Latina single mom police officer. Like she's kicking down doors, arresting bad guys while raising two kids. Like I never had, I didn't grow up with the idea that like me- women couldn't possibly do the same thing as men. Um, so I was very fortunate that I didn't have those beliefs like internalized at that age. But I, it was definitely they're in the extended family. But I thought that was more like personality quirks than like indicative of the current times as a whole. So, but yeah, no, that unfortunately still does exist in a lot of like Latinx cultures. Mm-hmm. Alexa. <laughs> just kidding. How do you tur- overturn the patriarch? I'm just kidding. She's still listening. <laughs> oh, she is. I see. Hey, Alexa, how do you overturn the patriarchy? Is a social construction. It can be overcome by revealing and critically analyzing its manifestations. There you go. Interesting. There we have yeah. it. Interesting. Do, do we get that on the? the yeah, we <laughs> did. And now we have the answer. And, and we, we have the answer, mm-hmm. Alexa. So breaking social constructions, but 
I mean, look how it's so multifaceted though. people lose their goddamn minds. Like anytime we take a step in the direction, like I remember target took a very, very small baby step and was like, you know what? We're not going to do boy aisles and girl aisles anymore. It was that simple. It was just like, we're just gonna have a toy aisle. People lost their fucking minds. Like it, it, they thought you would think it was the end of times. Uh, but that was just like one small incremental step towards eliminating the social construct of, of gender norms. Um, so I feel like we have a long way to go. I know that right now in mm-hmm. 2021, uh, we can be a little bit more hopeful having a female vice president, but it's not going to solve all the problems. It's kind of like what we were talking about with the Black Lives Matter movement when they painted these giant like murals in the street that say Black Lives Matter. And it was like, oh, that's cool, but it's still not systemic change. Like, it's cool that we have a female vice president, but like shit's still going to have to change that we haven't reached the finish line just yet. And if we want to connect that back to um, using feminist theory in therapy, Mm -hmm. um, that's what I was talking about earlier, I guess, about the um, we're encouraging the clients to go out and make that change, like go out and do those protests, go out and, um, uh, you know, call your congressman, all those things that um, uh, and and of course, those small changes will become big changes whenever you. I'm thinking about Carol Gilligan now and the and the house metaphor of, you know, we're we're redesigning and remodeling the house together and uh is that work ever done probably not i think we just keep keep remodeling the bathroom or or whatever whatever it is what's that stephen king movie which one where they remodel a bathroom in a stephen king movie no the house that like they keep building onto and it never is finished hold on Winchester. Oh, is that not Winchester? It's not a Stephen King movie. They they mock that in The Simpsons, I believe. Man, I should know this. Yeah, aren't you the horror? I am expert. The horror horror. I am the horror horror. Hang on, hang on. Oh, there we go. I I was. It was on the tip of my tongue, and I want to say Rose Red. Oh yes. How just like the house just like never stops. It's based on the Winchester house. Yeah. I said that. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I knew that at least. Um, but that's also hard as a therapist, right? So for those of you, do you see adolescents, Savannah? I don't see adolescents currently. No, I haven't seen them. It's like, how do we provide a space and psychoeducation around these social justice movements when you have kids from families that are very misogynistic or like buy into the messages of the patriarchy? Like how much of it is, would be us as professionals pushing an agenda rather than, uh, I don't know, fighting rape culture, fighting the patriarchy. Like, I think that's one of my big struggles is when I have a, an adolescent that I'm working with that like comes from a family of like problematic views on how things operate. Do you have that experience? I Everybody's have, making weird faces. Yeah, I have no, lots yeah. to <laughs> say. Time since, I've wor- since I've worked with adolescents, but I'm just thinking about like how much maybe the, I guess the intent has to do with it. Cause you're talking about, Okay, is it an agenda? Is it an? Does it feel like an agenda, or, or does it feel like I'm helping? Yeah. Um. Overall, and um, uh, yeah. Maybe there's maybe there's a specific line, or maybe there's a um, what? like maybe done subtly. I don't know, Ian. You have something. I'm just well. I'm I'm. I don't think um, it just needs to be with adolescents. It can be with a lot of people. It can be a middle aged, you know, white man from Bastrop, Texas. I mean, to me. We were taught in grad school, and I think everyone's everyone here is around the same age bracket. We were taught in grad 25. school. Oh yeah, <laughs> 20, almost thirty. Twenty-two. Three months. 
Um, we, we were all taught in grad school, I think, that therapy was not political. Right, 100%. And man, I don't know how it can't be political now. Like, it's just... Well, the personal is it's political. political. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So... So uh, can we be morally neutral about the the patriarchy? No, <laughs> no, no. We can't. I, I don't think we can. I don't as, think so. I mean, just patriarchy. I mean, to go back to our episode on on therapy and men, men sometimes are conditioned. Sometimes men are conditioned mostly to be narcissists in their adult life. And it's it's me, I'm the big strong man and nobody else matters and I'm not going to cater to anybody else's needs because mine come first, this and that. That reflects in a in some of the couples I've seen uh, very recently actually where you just, you watch the husband just demean, and I mean mm. demean his wife. And, you know, I just, I, I literally have to check my emotion because in those moments I'm probably the closest that I ever have been to losing my license. Um, but I, I just, I can't sit there and watch someone belittle their wife in front of me. It like, feels like bullying. It feels yes. like something that yeah. you've experienced before yes. or, uh, as, a, as, a, as a whole pe- that right. you've experienced before. Yeah. And so for us to just sit there and let that, let bullying happen, that's us just laying down when the patriarchy just rises up in our fucking therapy room so yeah that's that's why i made that face when you were kind of talking about that patrick because i have lots to say i'm actually holding back so i thought this was mental health unfiltered unfiltered Unfiltered. no you're right it is yeah it is i just i need more alcohol to be unfiltered and we're doing doing dry 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 january January. (laughs) how long is that is how long is that lasting oh the whole month (laughs) just just a couple days (laughs) I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna come here with a margarita machine. <laughs> just have it all to myself. It's gonna be hooked up on my IV come January first. Yeah, just kidding. Um, but yeah, that'd be an idea. Have a margarita machine right here in the middle of the table. That would be awesome on a lazy mm-hmm. season. Just I thought of it. Um, <laughs> what? So what do y'all think about people that hide their misogyny and say shit like, "Why do we need fe- feminism?" And they call like feminist movements itself like sexist because it's it's highlighting or it's showing preferential treatment, and we're seeing a lot of this like echoed in our current social justice movements, like Black Lives Matter. It's like, isn't saying Black Lives Matter racist? Like, why I don't see color and and shit like that. Like, that's racist. I was just saying that's problematic. <laughs> I don't see color. You're at the you're at the. I'm sorry to say you're at the lowest level of cultural development yep. at that point. Like, if you're, I I don't see color, that's a lie. You don't see race. <laughs> you don't see racism. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Agreed. Can I, I, I just want to, I, I want to read directly from the, the script that I was not a part of developing, but uh, how do you address the dildos <laughs> who hide their misogyny by saying things like, why do you need feminism? Can you tell how impartial I was when I wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> this is a little bit of a side tangent. But I, I did this thought experiment several years ago of where I, I started to think about how do you ship dildos? Like they've got to come over on a on a boat or a plane, basically. So uh, how many how many dildos are just floating above us in the sky right now? 
and I was actually able to to to, to calculate it. it it's I don't know about you, bro, but I my, I buy my dildos American made. <laughs> they, they st- where where okay, so where would you where do you think most of the dildos are manufactured? Dildos in the sky. I, I feel like it's <laughs> like diamonds. <laughs> dildos in the sky. That is what we beautiful like dildos in the sky. I feel like all the I dildos too, in America I... are made in like Burbank, <laughs> Burbank, Texas. I was thinking, is it in Burbank, California? I don't even know. I'm so know. sorry, Savannah. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying myself. This so again. <laughs> but actually, this question comes from something that was uh, that recently happened on Facebook, and that Hayden, you were involved in the, that Eat Drink to Go Austin Facebook group. And somebody had posted, like, first and only uh, black-owned distillery, I think, in Tennessee. Oh, you and, saw that. Yeah, and there was yes. some asshole on there that was like, why does, this, why does it matter that they're black? And then, like, they just got a slew of responses, obviously, like, calling this person out for their idiocy. But Aiden's response was so great because it was just so concise. It was like, well, it says first and only or something to that yeah, effect. Yeah, first and only. That's yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like, it, it's like, why, why are men saying... You know, we need women's empowerment. It's like, what about what about men's empowerment? My thing is, you know how when children ask their parents, like, you know, when it's Mother's Day or when it's Father's Day, um, you know, why don't we get a kid's day? It's like, well, every day is kid's day. It's mm. the same thing. Every day is men's day. <laughs> like, you know, we live in a freaking society that puts that unconsciously, and we all do it, put men on a pedestal and make women feel inferior. And if you don't believe that, the fact that, that what Viagra is covered by health insurance, but um, any type of sanitary products for women is not, or that birth control is not, or um, that you have good insurance. The Preach. Congress people that are in charge of like women's reproductive health are all old white men. <laughs> like, yes. It just fucking blows my mind that men think that they have a dog in this fight. It, it just, it's insane. Thank you. Well, can we can we talk about the book "Are Men Necessary" by Maureen Dowd? Because we do have all these dildos that are just flying above us. <laughs> I cannot. Okay. Okay, Google Alexa. <laughs> how many dildos are in the sky right now? This might answer your question. Oh God! The closest answer I know is from November eighteenth, twenty twenty, at twelve p.m. It's a post I made. Visible planets were Mars. <laughs> Please say Uranus. Yes. <laughs> Did that answer your question? Sure. <laughs> Thanks for your feedback. The fact that Alexa just <laughs> equated dildos with planets <laughs> just proves that misogyny in the patriarchy is not only present on planet Earth but also in the whole universe. It's alive and well. Yep. Yep. Mm. Well, I think there's a we've referenced our our men on tap episode, you know, about half a dozen times now, and I, I think that that sort of shows how uh, men's mental health and, and here we're talking about women are linked, and so I, I think when we're talking about uh, dismantling the patriarchy as a mental health concern, not just a, a societal thing, but a mental health issue. You know, our, it's kind of two sides of the same coin. It's like if we want to liberate and empower men, we, we have to liberate and empower women. So I, I don't necessarily view them as uh, separate issues. I think they're 
uh, are, uh, we're kind of entangled with one another here. All right. To wrap up this beautiful and some would say controversial episode, if anything that we have said is controversial, fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> exactly. Um, the whole point of, I'll just say my main takeaway from this episode um, is we still have a lot more work to do. I just have to say, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, we have as a society, as a world, really, we, we have so, so, so much work to do to ensure that women's safety is taken just as seriously as men's. So um, it's just, it's kind of striking me. It's, I hate saying this, but this, this episode has been fuel for my fire um, and the work that I do and the women that I see the women that I know um, there's just, yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I do remember what I was going to say a moment ago. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, the takeaway of just empowerment in general, um, I think one of the things I, I struggle with, with, um, with feminism is that like the whole um, that you can't or that it, it's not perceived that you can be male and be a feminist. Right. And, or, or with something it's like you have to be female right. like that whole like, like gate, the gatekeeping. gatekeeping exactly yes. um but um more and more i've uh, like i'm working with more um male clients with empowerment that I, i've recognized that and i've and i think it's one of those things where um it's interesting to me that like i don't i just everyone should be more empowered that's the, that's <laughs> a, that's my takeaway is empowerment mm-hmm. it's if it's because i feel like empower Hmm, this may be a stretch. I don't know because we we can a- we can ask her again, and, and I'm point- I'm pointing to uh, the, her her name starts with A. Yes, because well, I don't want to I don't want to wake her up. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, she's thinking. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Just kidding. Um. Um. But that um empower empowerment could lead or empowerment of more people could lead to the dismantlement of the patriarchy. That's very oversimplified, but I'm hoping that could that could be like a small portion of like, you know, if we empower everybody, then it could, I don't know. Mm. That could be, I don't know. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> no, but like that's the difference between like equality and equity is just like giving, like empowering the, the disenfranchised populations, the ones that don't have the leg up or the head start. I like the, the picture that was going around earlier this year on Facebook where it was like three people of different heights watching a baseball game over a fence and one could already see it. And, one needed to stand on two boxes and the other one needed to stand it on like another box. And it was like, this is what, uh, I forget. It was like equality was everybody got one box. So the tall person was even taller. The short person like kind of got elevated and the shortest person like still wasn't able to see over the fence. And then equity was like distributing the boxes to where everybody could look over the fence. So I definitely like agree with that, that like empowerment is a, is a key component to this, but I also have a more pessimistic view. I don't know, like, there's still going to be evil in the world. There's still shitty people in the world. And, like, if social dominance theory has taught us anything, there's always going to be people that are afraid of losing their status and power. So I feel like there's always going to be a group of white men, whether it be these dildos, the Proud Boys, or somehow the 2020-21 neo-Nazis that we still have in existence. The like Pieces of shit. There's always going to be people that, like, do not want to relinquish their power or they feel like acknowledging equality or equity somehow means that they are lesser than, so they're just going to hold on to that distorted belief. And I appreciate that, that perspective, right? Because like my very first thought is like, I'm, I'm a very optimistic person. And so, <laughs> so I'm just like, I was like, I want to end it on a hopeful note and those kinds of things. It's like, 
you're very right. That's extremely realistic. Yeah. I feel like we could do better. Like I definitely oh, feel yeah. like we can evolve to a better place than we are now, but I don't think the problem will ever be 100% solved, at least not in our country. Like we're too much of an individualistic culture to have like a unified mentality like that. Cause even during the pandemic, like every day I woke up thinking like today's going to be that, that remember the Titans day where everybody hold hands and we're going to like defeat the, the virus together and put on masks and social distance. Like, no, everybody's fucking still doing whatever they want to do. The coronavirus doesn't exist anymore. You know that. No, just yeah, it's after the election. It went away. Yeah, it's so like, weird. It's like, just shockingly. <laughs> Is that too political? We can cut that out. <laughs> well, I, I want to bring it back to body pleasure and the origins of violence because I think if we had more dildos. <laughs> flying in the sky. Flying in the sky. Is that your main takeaway? I this is my main takeaway. The, I resisted the opportunity for a joke and be like, Hayden always brings it back to body pressure. And I was like, no, he's going to make like this really eloquent, like beautiful. <laughs> you know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for the people that are going to. No, I do feel bad for our producer, but I feel bad for the, the like super academic, decorated feminists, like the, the people who have like their PhD in like feminist theory. And they, they're going to download this episode and go, oof. Disclaimer: I have uh, I have a master's degree and I'm an LBC associate. I do not have. Uh, no, no. I am a woman though, so there's yeah, that. Yeah. You qualify, girl. So, all right. But I mean, I don't think anybody has to be an expert to contribute to the cause. Like I, I feel like I'm pretty bottom of the barrel when it comes to like enlightenment and having all the answers, but just being open to conversations like this with peers, I think is a good first step. Like if people could just make it to this table to make it to the point where they come here with an open mind to have these discussions and let their defenses down and being like, Oh, you talking about feminism is a threat to me. We can drop all those pretenses and just have honest conversations as a huge fucking step forward from where we are right now. Just like judge Judy says, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason to listen. So listen, <laughs> you're just like your father. <laughs> a chef i'm speaking and on that note thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening to get in touch with any of us whether you want to have conversations about therapy or whether you are in texas and want to become one of our clients please see the show notes where you can find the best ways to reach us you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please leave us a review on apple podcasts if you're enjoying the show we will be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. And thank you so much, Savannah, for stopping by. And thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for creating this. Dildos in the sky. <laughs> that is what we are. Bye. Bye.